Hi, and welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud to be transparent in everything we do. Hosted by various members of the Big Dog team, we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition and care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. Thank you for tuning in. Get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. G'day and welcome to another episode of Pause and Listen. My name is Jazz. I'm a member of the Big Dog team and your co-host for today's Ask a Vet episode, which will focus on skin health and conditions in pets. I'm joined by fellow Big Dog team member Tiffany, who is our most excellent baker and one of our graphic designers here at Big Dog. Tiff, there's a reason that I've asked you to be here for this episode in particular, and that's because you are mum to beautiful Teddy, who is a Staffy Cross Dachshund that you adopted just over a year ago through a rescue, rescue group, and you've been battling with skin issues ever since you brought him home, so I know that you will have insight into what pet parents are going through when their babies have skin issues. So welcome, Tiff. That's right. Thanks so much for having me, Jazz. And we both have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Duncan about skin issues today. Duncan is a vet and pet nutrition expert based in Sydney who has had plenty of experience in emergency and general practice. Duncan's a very busy man. He does a lot of research and writes articles for us. He's made some TV appearances and he usually has a few projects on the go for himself. Uh, Welcome, Duncan. What are you working on at the moment? Uh, hello, Jazz and everybody at Big Dog. Um, I guess I'm working on fixing a dog at the moment. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, I I guess I just moved to a specialist clinic, back back to work in a specialist clinic. Um, so I do overnights or evenings or like I just do emergency there. Um, then I also, I'm about to launch a website for asking about a question called askavet.com. That'll be launched in a few weeks time. Uh, then I also sell cat beds on Amazon and I'm about, oh, and starting to sell some more cat products. And then I also am about to launch a line of dog products. So I own the brands Purrz, P-U-R-R-Z and Woof, W-O-O-P-F. I got the, the name Whoop from my dog when she barked at me and caught her lip. It was like, Whoop. Uh, so I was like, ah. Oh. And it was 20 bucks for Whoop.com on GoDaddy. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> You're super busy by the sound of it. I don't know how you have time for it all. And you've just adopted a dog, a golden retriever. Yeah, Tell somebody us about wanted it. me to euthanize a golden retriever a, a few months back um, for hip dysplasia. Um, but she was only, yeah, just over one. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So oh, anyway, yeah. spent lots of thousands of dollars. Uh, and I was going to, usually I adopt, usually I foster them and adopt them out, but uh, yeah, she's too good too. She's too special. <laughs> she like chases the hose. She sleeps in my bed. She listens to me and sits beside me and stuff like that. She comes, she's with me 24 seven. She comes to like all my jobs and everything. Um, yeah. No, I can't get rid of her. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we need to <laughs> come back to you in a few months and do a, a podcast just about her. What was her name again? Bridie. Bridie. Yeah. And how, how's Bridie going with her recovery? Uh, she's all right. Like, yeah, so it's been a few months since surgery. Um, so she's got a, I guess she's got a total hip replacement um, on one side uh, and then she'll get the other side done in about six to 12 months, I think. 
but yeah, no, she's going really well. Before, like her hip literally just didn't sit in the socket at all, would just continually slide out. Um, whereas now she's kind of starting to run around and chase the hose a bit and go swimming and things like that. So yeah, from being on kind of death's door to running around and doing what, everything she wants to do, it's yeah, no, much, much better. I had, I had actually found somebody to adopt her, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't let her go. <laughs> so yeah, whoops. <laughs> First yeah. foster failed five years. <laughs> Well done. Sounds like um, you're the best home for her and she's a lucky girl. That's awesome. Working in clinic, how often would you see pets present with skin issues? All the time. <laughs> like I see it a lot. It's probably like the, I guess, one of the biggest things um, the vets will see. Like you'll see vaccinations, you'll see arthritis, vomiting, diarrhea, and probably allergies. They're probably your main main few things that you'll see continuously and even working emergency like I see it all the time like probably see several a week um and people will be like they're not sure what's going on the dog's really itchy or sometimes it's sudden onset of um like hives and scratchy skin and things like that but then you get a previous history that it's happened a few times in the past and then you're kind of going down the rabbit hole of why has this happened a few few times like what's caused it you know, if they fed anything different, is there something wrong around the house or whatever? Um, and more often than not, I'll stick them on an elimination diet, um, which isn't too hard these, these days with the amount of products that are on the shelves. I want to ask, how do you uh, assess skin issues? So how do I decipher, like, what is what, like whether it's a food allergy, contact allergy, those kind of things? Yeah, like how do you determine the cause of the skin issues and if there's a a way to tell if it's a reaction to the food, plants or medication? It's really difficult, to be honest. So it depends, like you can can look at where it is on the dog's body. So um, food presents itself more as like a, it's more likely to be an intolerance rather than an allergy and you'll get more vomiting and diarrhea, like, you know, painful tummy um, sometimes they can become aggressive, um, but you kind of can figure it out if you go down, you know, look at what you're feeding them each day. Like you, like I always ask owners, like, you know, like to see what they've been feeding, you're going to use a food diary and things like that. But more often than not, I, I doubt many people do that um, because everybody always sneaks the dog food. Um, so yeah, look like it's, you can see it as like um, a generalized allergy. So it's like all over them. Um, More often than not, you'll get like kind of a bit of pustules and kind of swelling and irritation underneath their chin. Um, But then like contact allergies present themselves. Like you see, I reckon 80 to 90% of allergies that I see are more along the, I guess, ventral abdomen and thorax, um, sorry, bottom of stomach and chest um so then that you can kind of decipher as like okay this is a contact allergy but then you kind of like is there a food component to this anyway if the cause is not obvious what's the process so with pretty much all allergies i will stick them on an elimination diet anyway just to try and rule out whether or not protein is a source of the reason behind it um so you generally like that's a single protein diet where the animal will only eat one protein source or one meat source that's generally a novel protein for eight to 12 weeks. Um, I think this is very difficult for a lot of people as most people who own dogs 
have kids as well. And I'm sure the kids sneak in food because every time I see somebody come back a few weeks later or whatever, uh, more often than not, it's been very hard for them to stick to one protein source. So you try and get like a protein source that you can with as many treats or whatever so that everybody can still feed the dog treats because that's how everybody loves their animals. Um, And hopefully they can stick to that diet for eight eight to 12 weeks. Um, But yeah, look, in the end, the best way to do anything is obviously to go see a dermatology specialist. Um, in Sydney, I quite like Danny Houlihan. Um, and then you can do a pinprick test to see if what the allergies are, if there's any contact allergies or anything like that. Um, medication wise, you know, there's, there's Apoquel, which is a tablet that you can use. Um, you do have a loading dose of twice per day for the first two weeks and then once per day from then on. But some people just use it every now and then because it seems to work that way as well. The Cytopoint, which is an injectable version, which lasts four to eight weeks. Um, I don't like corticosteroids, but you can use a little bit of like prednisolone as a low dose pred. But I generally would prefer you to go see the um, specialist prior to using any of that um, because they'll work out what the allergy is from. Uh, and then they can also put you on a very low dose of whatever the allergen is long-term. Um, so say it's like an oral medication that's, you know, say humans are quite allergic to peanut butter or something like that. They put you on a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, oral amount of peanut butter um, once per day. Uh, and then hopefully your body over time, you know, kind of gets used to that being in your body and then you won't be so reactive to it in the future. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the steps is elimination diet, maybe medication if that doesn't work, uh, and then going on to see a dermatologist. Do you think diet has an impact on allergies? Um, I do find that natural diets, uh, a lot of the animals that I do have on them are less inclined to have allergies. Um, all my fosters that I have, I do put on raw diets, um, and they've all been great. Um, fosters that I've had come in that have been on kibble diets and things like that, that have had gastrointestinal issues or like, you know, other, you know, other problems or whatever, like halitosis, so smelly breath and things. Um, I brought them in and I put them on raw diets. Um, and pretty much more often than not, they've lost their smelly breath and they, you know, they appear to be a lot better. Um, I won't say it works for every single animal. Not everything works for everybody. Like with humans, you know, not everything works for every human. Um, but I, you know, I think it's a much better option uh, and I always put them on them. Um, so yeah, first, first things first, if you want to just rather than doing the elimination diet, if it's going to be too hard, then you can just trial them on a natural diet. Obviously they might have a bit of, you know, diarrhea or whatever, if they've only eaten the one food their whole life. Um, and then once they kind of get used to it over, oh, I'd say one to four weeks or something like that, um, they're generally all right. You can kind of slowly give it to them over a bit of time and hope for the best you don't get any kind of poo issues. Um, but sometimes I just hammer them with a new diet and let them just stink it out for a few days and then they get used to it. Mm. And is that where you'd add a probiotic in when you're, when you're changing food? Yes. Yes, I would. Also, sorry, I know you were talking a lot about um, changing their food, but 
are there and, and you put them on an elimination diet and then you see them come back because it's you know really hard for them to stick to one protein especially in a busy house but are there other things that could be setting them off like around the house like are there other common allergies like I hear things like um, one that surprised me was that you know candles like cheap fragrances and that sort of thing even though you think you're not applying them to the dog's skin obviously because it's a candle like it's not something but it's just in their environment um certain things like that are there common things that you see dogs reacting to a lot that pet parents just they don't make that connection well yeah i I see lots of animals coming in seizuring and things like that for stuff that's around the house so because i'm only work emergencies i'll have stuff dying on me um so like you know parasiticides organophosphates um snail bait uh different plants around the house uh cats with like lilies and things like that causes kidney disease acute kidney injury so yeah i'll have animals dying on me for stuff that's just around the house even for like you know um uh what should we call it uh for like antidepressant medications and things like that you know yeah a lot of those things will cause issues um but in terms of dietary stuff that's a bit more kind of probably happier stuff for us to talk about today yeah (laughs) not my actual job (laughs) my actual job is yeah, wow. It's like, oh, God, I was just expecting you to say, yeah, people don't realize that, you know, the stuff you play, you know, spraying on your grass is actually like, you know, reacting, like causing your dog to itch or whatever. But you're saying that you see way more horrible stuff than that. Um, no, hey, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I've had people, people throw snail bait over the fence to, you know, have the neighbor's dog carc it, um, seizure, uh, you know, rat baits, they bleed out internally um yeah i haven't worked in the nicest places around sydney to be honest uh but then yeah like there's there's something is it, you'd like have to go like bullshit. all john wick on them wouldn't you like if someone yeah, did that to my dog like i would i have good neighbors i'm surrounded by dogs but mate like that's awful yes you wouldn't think it would happen but but it does which sucks yeah. Um, and so what are some things like early signs for before it gets to the seizure stage? What are some things that pet parents would see if that had happened to their pet? Like, is there, is there, are there early warning signs? Like, Yeah. So you, you'll start to see uh, with certain toxins, you'll start to see tremoring and things like that around the house. Um, so like snail bait and things, you'll see them to start shake. Uh, then, yeah, if they start, if it's more than just like an anxiety or nervous shake, then I'd just take them to the hospital because like several times or several, like lots of times I've had them come in um, and they've been like my dog shaking kind of thing. They don't know why. And then they find like an accidental box of snail bait or something like that. And it's tremoring, but it's unfortunately it's, it's too late. Like if I'm doing an enema and there's green or blue coming out on the enema and I do a gastric lavage, so I pump their stomach um, and then that's blue and green. That is not a good sign if it's coming out of both ends. Um, and a lot of people don't don't know that, you know, those kind of things are bad or, you know, until they look them up kind of stuff. Um, yeah, until it's... Uh, I do get a lot of marijuana toxicities, though. Oh, lot, really? you know, a, lot of, a lot of people have weed, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty funny. <laughs> they just green out, honestly. They, they, they can like lose a gag reflex and stuff like that if they have too much. So they, you know, can't swallow them bits, but uh, more often than not, they've just had a bit too much that they're just greening out. So 
Yeah. If, if just you, from, sorry, if is that from has, inhalation or are the pets eating it? Eating it. Everybody has eating like, it. you know, caramel slices or brownies or yeah, like right. <laughs> their little like weed butt on the floor and the dog eats it or whatever. So just tell the vet. The vet's not going to bust you or send you to the yeah, cops. Yeah, just or tell just them. Vet knows what to sort them out with. But anyway, I guess going back on to like things that are around the house that are more gentle and stuff on their stomach. <laughs> um, I have a pain in the ass cat that keeps attacking all my plants at the moment. And pretty much the majority of plants will cause gastrointestinal issues. Um, so I kind of, maybe I'm a bad pet parent or whatever but you know if they get diarrhea from destroying my plants bad luck cat you shouldn't be eating my plants like they're nice plants so <laughs> yeah right. but yeah it's it's generally like they have to eat quite a bit of like i've got safe plants around the house but like they still have to eat quite a fair bit of it for them to have diarrhea or anything like that um but it's more so you're worried about kind of lilies with cats because they'll cause acute kidney injury um peace lilies are all right but uh all other kind of like the flowers and things like that it's it's the whole plant it's the flower, it's the stem, it's the pollen, it's, yeah, everything. So I remember I've had cats that have, like, rolled around in the pollen and all that stuff, and they come in all, like, you know, orangey kind of coloured, and you've got to wash the cat, which is obviously really fun. Um, <laughs> so generally you've got to knock it out first. Like, you know, I can't I, – I, there's, like, 1% of cats that you could actually wash without it killing you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to get all the pollen. So, yeah. And it's very hard to make a cat vomit extremely hard so you like use like metatomidine or dexmedetomidine or one of those or xylazine you know one of those three medications to make them vomit you know but it's yeah if anybody thinks that you can make a cat vomit it is extremely difficult dogs yeah majority of dogs will vomit on apomorphine um but cats yeah like oh like i'll see them like eat like you know string or you know plastic and bits and pieces and all that kind of stuff um but yeah a lot, like a lot of the time you're looking at a scope to kind of get whatever they've eaten out of their stomach uh, and that will set you back a minimum of $3,000. Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> how, um, what, how do you make them vomit? I, I've, uh, I had to take my dog once and they didn't, like obviously they take them back so you don't have to watch it because it's quite traumatic. Actually, I've had to take both of my dogs. Um, but they told me it was eye drops. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. I don't, I don't put it in the eye. I don't think that's very nice. Um, it's like, it depends on the clinic you work at. A lot of clinics will have like apomorphine tablets um, and it just needs to go on the con conjunctiva, like, you know, conjunctiva, like anywhere. So old school methods where you put it in the eye, um, I can, you can rub those tablets on the gums in the mouth, which is a lot nicer because I've seen it cause eye, eye ulceration before. Um, otherwise there's an injectable version where you can just inject it under the skin and they generally vomit within this, within about kind of 10, 15 minutes of having it. Like all it is, is like, just for me, I just give it an injection. They just start vomiting. Um, I just have to come with them kind of sift around in the vomit to find whatever they're looking for, whether it be a sock or underwear or tampons or whatever. I find a lot of tampons, like a lot of dogs eat tampons. So please like if you've, if it's that time of the month, put them somewhere where the what dog cannot mean? get them <laughs> because yeah, I've had one dog that ate, I think it was eight or nine of them or something. They'd been like what? sitting in a bin or something. That was like, yeah, they'd been in a bin for a while and I don't think they cleaned that bin out for a long time. And yeah, the dog had a heap of them. Um, oh. So I'm sure they're moldy. And then that's another thing. If dogs get into old stuff that is moldy or whatever, like um, fungus and mold can cause tremogenic toxins as well. 
So it can cause the dog to start shaking and have a seizure. So if you have any old, just chuck your rubbish out. Just don't let it sit there yeah, like yeah. anything like that. But anyway, yeah. Hygiene. And make sure you clean your stuff out. So don't let the dogs get to anything that's bloody or meaty or tasty or anything like that. Um, it's probably not the right way to describe it after talking about tampons, but yeah, just any of that, <laughs> cut that out of the podcast. But yeah, any of that stuff, like keep it away from the dog because that stuff can cause an obstruction. Wow. Because so, like, and a tampon will expand a little bit too. Like, so yeah, yeah so, an obstruction, yeah. as you say. I'm yes. like, oh God, it's just the visuals just, I'm having right now. You're counting how many kind of strings there are in the vomit to make sure that you've got them all. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Like they can fall apart in bits and pieces and stuff like that. But anyway, that's that's fine. Never a dull moment in the life of an emergency vet. My God. Um, sorry, we'll also ask you about. Um, I just want to ask you about treatment options for um, for skin issues. What are, like, I want to know some of the pros and cons of, you know, like the cider point. I know Tiff and I, both our dogs have had, um, had to have cider point over the years. So what are, I know that it provides them fast relief, but what are the, what are the cons there? At the moment, I guess they're relatively new medications. So at the moment, cider point doesn't really have any side effects. Um, it's a synthetic prostaglandin, so it's like a synthetic hormone. Um, but yeah, at the moment, the only thing that's been shown is, is more so like Cytopoint seems to go okay, um, doesn't have any side effects, so, so side effects as of yet. Um, Apoquel, uh, if Cytopoint doesn't work, Apoquel is, I guess, the tablet version is the easiest way of saying it. They, 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 are, they are different, but they're pretty much used to the same thing anyway. Um, but obviously by having an oral tablet long-term, you do have that little percentage of having a hepatotoxicity over the lifetime of the animal so which is oh sorry uh liver disease so it's like if you take paracetamol for you know long term you you do have that potential for causing liver issues um so i would just suggest to have bloods taken like probably once per year if you're on that medication um but yeah they're you know at the moment they're relatively new there's no real kind of human um version of them so you can't really see so i you know i guess it's just kind of a hopefully hopefully they work and they provide enough relief for your animal in the meantime um that their life is comfortable enough for now because sometimes like not everything can be managed with with diet or whatever and like you've got to think about like is are they going to be more comfortable long term by having the medication are they more comfortable now and like having a happier life rather than scratching themselves all the time um or is it kind of like a, a nice to have thing where we can probably adjust things with diet and see how it goes or whatever um i see a lot of dogs coming in like that yeah their skin's horrible so i prefer to just put them on something and then we see how long we can go without using it um before we i guess we like kind of do another injection of cider point um we can change their diet in the meantime and then hopefully we can extend out the time periods between using that, you know, those injections again. Or if you're using Apoquel, extend out the times between giving a tablet. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's based off how comfortable the animal is rather than, I guess, long term. I just want them to be comfortable. What about washes and ointments in skin issues? Oh, washes and ointments. That's a, that's a big one because there's so many new ones coming out. It's like every... 
it's like every mom and dad who's like at home and retired or whatever, like, you know, oh, my husband's giving me a chunk of money. I'm just going to launch my own shampoo brand or something like that. Um, this one's very difficult for me to kind of say because there are just so many options out there at the moment. And vets always just go to like Alovine um, or like Maliseb and Pyhex and stuff. They pretty much go to the just the same stuff, which has been around for ages. So they do give some relief in the meantime depending on what's causing the allergy and if there's a secondary infection or not um i haven't had too much use for them to be honest like i guess like a, you know i've obviously offered the owners to put them on them and they can go buy them and stuff like that and they give a little bit of um pain relief from itch and things or they can like you know help with i guess fungal infections or bacterial infections and stuff um but yeah, like that's that, that's a difficult one because there are just like there's so many out there. Um, I don't know if you guys have more experience with me with that that one. Um, yeah, I, I do. Um, my uh, petty has both had had both bacteria and skin um, back, uh, fungal infections. They use malicep and pyrex. Yes. If, if you know what the actual cause is of the skin irritation or a skin issue or something like that, whether it's fungal or bacterial, you can use Pyrex or Maliseb. Pyrex has chlorhexidine and Maliseb has the like antifungal and antibacterial in anyway. Or chlorhe- actually, chlorhexidine is antibacterial anyway. So, yeah, Maliseb's for fungal, Pyrex you can use for both. But then I think Maliseb is like the shampoo one and then you can use Pyrex as a conditioner and stuff. You can kind of mix them around and things. But, yeah, it's, it's, if you're using Alavine, which is the one that's got – um oh i've forgotten what it's it, it's got the oats in it that's one oats um i really feel that only gives them a relief for a short period of time i don't think that's a long-term o- option i think that's something that's like a nice to use every now and then if they're if they've got like a specific contact allergy to some plant or weed or something like that and they come across it like say once a month or something it's a nice to have there but then if they're also doing that actually i didn't mention before i generally if they're having a reaction every now and then I do use like human antihistamines. So like Zyrtec, Claritine, um, Telfast, those kind of things, you can use them. Um, I like Zyrtec because it's one milligram per kilogram roughly. Um, so you generally just, you know, one tablet is 10 milligrams. That's just a nice one to have around the house. If your dog's going to have, you know, a reaction every now and then it's something to calm them down. Um, how so, do yeah. you, um, how, how do vets determine whether it's any fung- like sorry, if it's a fungal infection or a bacterial infection, like how do you test for just that? Swab it. Just swab it. Yeah. Yeah. So just stick like a little, stick like a Q-tip in it. So if you you guys have pugs, so it's probably you've probably had like an issue with in the skin folds around the base of the tail or around the face and things like that. Um, so you just shove a swab in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I actually have never, but yeah, I know what you mean. I know that they do happen a lot. But I've been very lucky. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Your dog <laughs> is perfect. That's perfect. right. My dog is perfect. <laughs> yeah. So diet would maybe help with that though, right? Yeah, I generally try and increase the amount of omega-3s and make sure that it's like non-oxidized omega-3s. Like I tell everybody to try and get like, I guess, frozen um, frozen versions or if they do buy fish oil or something from, a, a you know, like a wild source, so say like wild salmon or something like that, uh, the, the way to generally tell if it's good quality or not is you put it in the freezer, that fish oil shouldn't freeze. So the tablet shouldn't freeze. Depending on how cold your freezer is, but most like most freezers, I think, are like 
less than minus 20 or something like that, the tablet shouldn't freeze. Yeah, right. Top tip from Duncan. Um, and different breeds, are they prone to different skin conditions? Like, Let's talk about stuffies. When you think about skin conditions, I think most people think stuffies. So what would you commonly see in staff? Are they, are they, yeah, are there different conditions with different breeds? I know you said, you know, like with the pugs, it's like usually in the skin folds, staffies everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, a lot of allergies, oh, sorry, a lot of staffies uh, have like allergies to grass. I see a lot. Um, so, yeah, you'll see that they get like a real itchy tummy and itchy pores and like maybe underneath their chin, it's all irritated and stuff. Um, yeah, I've and I've seen some some staffies that have had chronic skin issues, like you know, and they're like sixteen years old or seventeen years old, and they've just got like all these like like swollen, scary kind of like icky skin on all their kind of like elbows and you know lumps and masses everywhere and hives all over and stuff like that. Like I've seen some pretty bad skin issues. Um, you know, it's and I think it's only because recently, like, we do have more medications as well as more options for diet. Um, whereas, you know, kind of a 16-year-old, like, if I'm, say, I have a 16-year-old staffy come in now, like, it's really only had, like, maybe 11 years since Apoquil came out and things like that. And then, you know, natural diets have only really, I reckon, only really become a thing in the past like more of a thing in the past five to 10 years. Um, so yeah, everything used to be put on PRED in the past, uh, which, you know, would cause like hemorrhagic gastroenteritis, like, a, you know, blood, bloody diarrhea and vomiting and alopecia, like loss of her and things like that. Like, it, it, you know, pe- pe- like increased drinking and increased urination and things like that. So you do get like, yes, staffies are a big, big thing like staffies and french bulldogs and you know australian bulldog anything like those kind of short kind of that kind of like i don't know how to describe it like prickly hair um those kind of breeds i see have a lot of issues i feel like staffies do have a lot with contact allergies frenchies and bulldogs and all those kind of i guess snub nose breeds like pugs and stuff i do find have a lot of food allergies or intolerance coming in their farts stink like they just keep going off um like even when you knock them out like if you're sedating those animals like just release the most weapon farts and like oh their their poo's always just bad i don't know just yeah anyway i don't know if there's something going on else with them genetically or if it's due to like um increasing the like in their in their temperature like maybe maybe they've got slightly higher temperatures than other dogs because they can't kind of i guess thermoregulate as well because they don't have the long nose i don't know but yeah their poo stinks and majority of the time defense like, mechanism yeah. see it's how they fight off predators they just fight. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know uh, i don't think i've ever seen a wild pug i don't i can't see like a pug <laughs> surviving in the wild mate i've got two if you want to come have a look yeah <laughs> it's like if you released a bunch of dogs in jurassic park which would be the first things to be eaten like, you know, the goat got eaten in the original Jurassic Park. I'd seen it, like, you know, just think of Frenchie would just look and just get chomped straight away. Probably get yeah. spat out tasted too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan, what's, what's your top tips for these dogs? So top tips for the dogs with allergies. Uh, look, I would 
you'd probably have to, I would honestly be saying to go see a dermatologist. If you're having these issues and things like that, like I would be recurring to see a dermatologist to find out exactly what the allergen is, um, go on to potential medications to calm them down in the meantime, and then also change their diet. So initial change to a natural diet. Um, if that doesn't work, then we're kind of looking down the route of doing an elimination diet or a single, like another name is a single protein diet for eight to 12 weeks. They're, and the dermatologist will put you on that diet when you see them anyway. So they'll put you on the, the single protein or elimination diet as well as work out a treatment plan in terms of medication. And as the animal kind of, I guess, gets better over time, then you're kind of working out, I guess, like what can we do to kind of bring in a new, you know, food source or other treats or whatever and see what might set them off. Um, usually it's most common protein sources like chicken, beef, uh, lamb. They're most likely the proteins that cause allergies. Um, but yeah, look, now, now you're seeing like all these, you know, different protein, novel protein sources. Now you can see like duck and goat, um, crocodile, if you can get it. And that, is there anything else that you would add to it? Yeah, look, I, by, by adding like additional omega-3s and probiotics and things like that, you can mix it into it. So, you know, I, I always think it's variants with microbiome as well is what I guess the human research is showing us. So I don't like it how with dogs or whatever, there are so many vets and things like that that just say, you know, put them onto this hypoallergenic kibble or anything like that and they just stay on that diet forever. Like, you know, and then, the, you know, because it's hydrolyzed protein source, the protein is you know so small that the body doesn't kind of recognize it or anything like that um you know and they stay on that i i don't like animals being on the one food i think an animal should be you know like enjoy life like us like you know they get to eat a variety of stuff like you know um a lot of times i get before i have adoption animals they've only ever had the one food their whole life and you know i think by giving them a, a variance of diet you're exposing them to a variance of bacteria. Um, and as I was saying with human research, they're showing that the more variable your bacteria is in your microbiome, the healthier you are, the better you are at finding, you know, fighting diseases, like better your immune system is. Um, so yeah, if you're adding on, you know, different probiotics, you're adding, you know, different vegetables or, you know, protein source, I, I should actually say that you can have allergies and intolerances to certain vegetables as well. Um, I wouldn't feed a pugger a staffy cauliflower or broccoli, otherwise it's going to stink out the house. Um, <laughs> you know, unless they absolutely love it and their gut's fine, but yeah, most of the time their gut's not. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, as long as they're on a healthy diet of natural stuff, like I, I still don't mind if they have like snacks of like you know, not not great food every now and then, like you know, like Bridie eats corn chips and she eats my lasagna sometimes and things like that, you know. <laughs> Yes, it does have a little bit of onion or garlic in it or whatever, but like honestly, you need a lot of onion or garlic to cause any kind of blood clotting issues and things like that. So, like, you shouldn't be freaking out about what to feed an animal unless it has like potential. Yes, it has a really bad gut and that's absolutely all it can eat. Um, I think, you know, people and vets are afraid to kind of try all new things and different stuff. Um, and I actually think that that's why the situation we're in with, I guess, pet food and stuff is vets don't like to kind of go out the realm of, you know, what's on the shelf, what they're used to. They don't like trying new things. Yes, if an animal has a specific disease or whatever, then you need to change those diets based on what disease process it has. Um, but if it's, you know, 
happy and healthy or whatever and like you know has one issue of like gut issue or something like that you don't have to be on that one hypoallergenic you know food forever i think you still vary the diet you still try and build up that microbiome you try and work out what exactly the you know the the allergy or intolerance is from as i said before if they're happy at the moment then that's what i want them to be like long term wise yes there's good things you can do and things like that but like i still want them to be happy and having a good life for what they're having now because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much, Duncan, for your time today. You've been a legend. It's been quite entertaining, actually, and sometimes horrifying, some of the things you've shared with us. Oh, no, thanks for having me. That was fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for being my co-host today. No worries. Thank you so much for your time, Duncan. Thank yeah, you. cool. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Duncan, thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much. It's been real i've got to say um if anyone has any questions you can head to our website bigdogpetfoods.com or you can get in touch with us at uh, customer care at bigdogpetfoods.com with any questions you might have and we can pass them on to duncan i'm sure thanks duncan see you guys bye see ya bye thank you for listening to our podcast for more information and content visit the big dog pet foods website Please note that the information discussed is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raises questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for individual assessment and advice.